Global Missions. Hello and welcome to Some Assembly Required, our podcast over here at Waynefleet BIC Church, where we discuss life through the lens of our Anabaptist roots. My name is Julie Adams. I'm your host today, and I am joined by special guest Andrew Alexander. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you very much, Julie. Yeah, glad to have you here. It was a great message yesterday. Um, at church. It was nice to hear you speak. I hadn't heard you speak before, so I found it very, very interesting. Will you give us a brief um, background or bio as you shared yesterday, just in case someone missed it? Sure. Thanks a lot. And uh, it was also a privilege to uh, speak here at B- uh, Waynefleet BIC. We've been part of the congregation and member since last mm. year. Uh, we moved here to this region two years ago from living in Zambia before. I was there for 14 years serving with Operation Mobilization and my wife Susan, uh, we met there in Zambia uh, together with our three kids. We moved here to Port Colborne uh, just two years ago. Very nice. Thank you. What is Operation Mobilization? Operation Mobilization is a a mission agency. Uh, We send hundreds of short-term um, people out every single year. There's so many opportunities. Uh, it has wide networks. Uh, people join as full-time missionaries if they feel called. Uh, OM has a vision to see a, a people group or a, a people of Jesus, sorry, a community of Jesus followers mm-hmm. uh, within reach of every single person on, on this planet. Uh, so yeah, over the past few years, we've identified the places across uh, the globe where there are like pockets of least reached communities. Mm-hmm. Um, we have like highlighted spotlight regions um, where there are really dense populations or people groups where there's no church, there's no mm-hmm. no believer, no one, no neighbor in the neighborhood who can just share the good news of Jesus. I was surprised when you mentioned Japan as one of those communities only, and I think partly this is maybe I'm naive or I don't know what you would consider me, but I drive here and it takes me 10, 10 or 11 minutes and I pass three other churches <laughs> on my way here. So to think that there are places, developed countries, like when I think of unreached people groups, I think of a tribe in the Amazon forest or in Africa where they're living in huts, not Japan, which is quite um, developed. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, it is very surprising to see some of the, the statistics uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to churches. Um, I, I was also surprised to see so many churches in Zambia when I lived there. Mm. Uh, but the focus of OM there is not church planting. It, well, there are a few places in the country where there sure. are no churches. Um, but it is to mobilize the church there to send people out as well. So there are many Africans now being equipped and trained as missionaries. But yes, you're right. Japan is one good example of a developed country where mm-hmm. there are th- still thousands of of places, of towns that don't have a single church there. Uh, another place would be the Northern Caucasus, which is uh, between Russia and Georgia. Mm, uh, okay. we, we've seen there uh, a high need as well of of church planting efforts um, and and to send more people there and workers and missionaries. So Northern Caucasus and of course uh, the Arabian Peninsula is Mm -hmm. is, uh, the Arab world, the Muslim world. Um, And then there's regions like the Sahel in Africa, uh, very, very difficult to reach because Mm -hmm. it's it's hot. It's like crossing the Sahara Desert. Um, There are terrorist groups in that region as well. and uh, yeah, the Mekong region is another one. 
mm-hmm. across uh, in East Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mekong River passes through five different countries, and we've identified those regions as least reached as well. And then South Asia, as you heard yesterday. Yes. Um, yeah, almost 4,000 people groups in South Asia um, that still don't have uh, like a fellowship or a local church um, or have at least less than 5% of the population um, that say they are Christians or call themselves Christians. Wow, that's, um, I find that very fascinating. Um, you had mentioned that you had a story or um, something to share if we shrunk the world to 100 people. And I thought that was very, very interesting. Yeah, so yeah, yesterday I gave uh, some big numbers. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the, the amount of people groups in the world for 17,000, um, and I think the world population is close to 8 billion people. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to visualize um, and relate to those kind of numbers. But if you were to shrink down the, the world's population uh, to uh, like a village size of 100 people, um, then the, the numbers would be also quite surprising or shocking sometimes. Um, so I have these numbers here and, and uh, how they would look like would, would be in terms of where they would come from. 60 would be from Asia. So out of the mm. 100 villagers, 60 would be from Asia. 12 would be European in origin. Uh, 15 would come from the Western hemisphere, hemisphere. That's Latin America, North America mm-hmm. and Oceania. Uh, so that's 15 and then 13 from Africa. 50 would be male and 50 would be female. So Mm -hmm. it's not true that there are more (laughs) men on this planet. Uh, It actually seems to be quite equal. Mm -hmm. Um, And in terms of skin color, 80 would be uh, non-white compared to 20 being white. Um, Villagers' religions would be also very uh, different. So 67 out of the 100 in the village would be non-Christian. And 33, that's one third, would be or, or they would at least label themselves as Christian. In, the, in that village, 20 people would be uh, receiving almost 90% of the village's total income. Mm. So that also gives a perspective on, on where money is going to and, mm-hmm. and who is receiving it. Uh, 17 would not be able to read in that village. Ooh, wow. That's probably a bit higher than, than I had expected as well. Mm-hmm. 17 out of 100. 13 would be malnutrition, uh, malnutrished. Is that malnourished? Right? Malnourished, yes. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, malnourished. Um, yeah. And then in terms of education, two of, only two of them would have an, a college education. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. And then four of them would own a computer device of some kind. So mm. I think here in, uh, in our region, at Waynefleet, like our kids, each of them have a device, a tablet or something that yes. they have. And often a family computer too. Mm. I know we each have a device at our home and we have a, a desktop family computer for f- storing photos and I don't know what else is on there, but that's... Yeah, yeah. So to so wow. see only four having access to, to one computer device of some kind yeah. in that village, that changes my perspective too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, these numbers um, just give a better, better picture, a better perspective um, of how, how also the church can respond. Um, yes. Because um, yeah, we need to know some of these things where there are needs, uh, both spiritual as well as as physical needs. Um, that's where the body of Christ, the church, can make a difference in the world. I think too many times we 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 as Christians look to the government to try and make a difference too, yeah. and, and I think God calls the church to to do that and to be that difference as well in the world. 
So yeah, first of all, these ratios, they show me that a cross-cultural approach is needed. Mm -hmm. uh, just thinking of how many come from Asia and uh, not to say that the church in Asia isn't growing. I mean, there's um, at OM, we, we think that 80% of our OM staff will soon be from Asia and Africa wow. and, and these places. So it's not a Western concept anymore, mm -hmm. missions. It's, it's great to see uh, what we would call the majority world or the global south uh, take, um, take responsibility in, in, in missions as well. So yeah, the mm -hmm. cross-cultural approach is needed. Um, I think Paul said once to, he became a, a, a Greek to the Greek and a, a Jew to the Jew and mm -hmm. um, just adapting to a different culture. It's still necessary though. Um, and yeah, secondly, I think we, um, we also need a holistic approach. So 60 villagers that didn't know Jesus, they might not also be able to read. And so giving them the gospel, giving them a tract, that, that won't help. No. So um, teaching them how to read in order also to get a, a skill. That's, that's what we would call a holistic approach. Right. Um, as well as helping those that are malnourished, I got ah, it right, there you go. <laughs> um, by giving them food. So in Zambia, mm -hmm. those are great practical examples where OM could be part of that. So um, yeah, the, the, the schools that OM was, was running in the poorest communities, mm -hmm. uh, giving a godly uh, education as well. So connecting um, what you learn in school with, with what God teaches in his word. Um, we, we saw that most of the kids didn't come to school having had a breakfast. So they would oh. fall asleep during class or they were, they couldn't concentrate in, in mm -hmm. class. And so it was necessary to also feed them, yeah. give them a meal uh, at lunchtime. So holistic approach um, when it comes to that or uh, ladies, for instance, in Zambia and many countries in the world are neglected when it comes to education. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. in, in Zambia, education wasn't free uh, many years back or oh. actually just a few years, they, mm -hmm. they made it free. But when it, when it wasn't free, uh, the parents would pay with their little, um, little money that they have, usually for one child to go to school. And if, it, if they had a boy and a girl, then the boy would go to school because mm -hmm. they were hoping that he would uh, be able to bring then an income later uh, uh, yes. through physical labor or whatever mm -hmm. is, is, was needed there um, in the village or however the, uh, they lived. So... Uh, helping ladies in Zambia is key. Mm -hmm. is it, that would be a holistic, holistic approach. There are so many widows um, that don't have an education, so they don't know what to do. Uh, they don't know how to yeah. get a job, to run a business, um, and so they lack those kind of skills. So. Even if they can't read, they couldn't fill out even an application of any sort or any kind of paperwork. Yeah, uh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a very different, um, different perspective. It's a bit of an eye-opener when we're in our... Canada bubble sometimes, I think, you know, or our, our local bubble. Wow. Um, can you describe a typical day? What do you do at OM? And what is like a typical day for you there? Yeah. So as uh, director of development, that would be my mm -hmm. title. I'm responsible for the fundraising efforts mm -hmm. of OM here in Canada. So I, I uh, connect with partners, uh, financial partners and donors, mm -hmm. whether it's churches and pastors or it's individuals, um, sometimes foundations or companies. Um, that give to the work of OM, I try and connect them to the projects across the world. Mm -hmm. um, so whether it's Zambia or South Asia or across the globe, we, we try and hear where the person's heart is or the pastor's heart is um, 
to then see if there is a possibility of connecting them with, with an OM project um, or person, because sometimes yeah. it's missionaries that are being supported as well mm -hmm. as the projects. Um, so yeah, I, I work three days a week from uh, our office in Port Colborne. Uh, sometimes I do travel as well and, and meet with some partners for a coffee or a lunch meal. Um, and then, yeah, three to, three to four times a year, I travel across Canada and try to connect with people there or host an event, uh, whether it's a dinner. Yeah. And we have uh, people coming from overseas, part of OM, to speak about what's happening there. And then, yeah, have a, like a fundraising banquet or something that's uh, always sounds fancy but um, <laughs> yeah those are some of the activities I do and then international travel as well mm -hmm. uh, I would I personally feel that um, people have uh, are given a better impact in their in their hearts if they go and visit a place or a project yes um, just like Zambia affected me and my my future uh, if I can take people out to India or Bangladesh or mm -hmm. to see some of these least reached areas um, and taste the food that's there. <laughs> then you know, I was thinking, yes, when you were talking yesterday, I thought you put up the caterpillars and I thought, yeah, I'd try a cooked caterpillar. I'm kind of a yes person when it comes to new experiences, because when would you ever be offered something like that again? You know, but when you showed the rats on the stick, I think I may have drawn the line at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Susan, I think was exactly the same. She, I don't think she tried the rats. <laughs> did you? I did, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow, that's good for I, you. <laughs> that's why I imagined, I imagined that hint of chicken flavor Ooh, good for you. to it. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not as bad as well. It's, it's, it's very crunchy and crispy. And yeah, um, yeah it's, it's almost, almost burned. Not, yeah. Burnt. Oh, okay. Like a crispy piece of bacon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's another way to imagine it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what would be going through my mind. Um, one of the questions that you, when you gave us a list of questions for after the service, was talking about being knowledgeable or aware of the spiritual needs around the world. So how can we, as a church or as individuals, become more aware of the spiritual needs around the world? Yeah, so I, I mentioned the Joshua Project website. Mm -hmm. uh, that that's brilliant when it comes to like numbers and statistics and what are people groups, and where are they. Um, it, it can be very factual as well. And um, so I think there are some organizations that are uh, focusing on that as well, just to give resources to the churches mm -hmm. um, because uh, the churches also need to get it from somewhere to yes. present it to their church and say, hey, where do we want to get involved? And right. where's our heartbeat uh, when it comes to global missions and uh, the different opportunities? Um, OM, uh, as well as other mission agencies uh, provide that too. So on our website, for instance, we have um, a column where you can uh, click on how to serve, for instance, and then mm -hmm. you will see the different opportunities, whether it's um, a teacher needed in uh, Thailand mm -hmm. or uh, a builder in Zambia. Um, these things pop up on the website and then people can see or, or hear where. Yeah. And, and say, hey, I'm a I'm a builder. I'm an electrician. I yeah. can go there. I can serve for three months. Um, and it usually gives them the time time frame when that would be or uh, if it's a long term possibility. Um, so these things are there. But when it comes to least reached people groups, I, um, I would say that the Joshua Project is, is an excellent resource to have. Um, I mentioned the, these spotlight regions that we have in mm -hmm. OM. So we're going to update our website and have some of those listed there too, because those are 
regions with the highest spiritual needs. Um, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know if you know much about the women's ministry here, but we have a book club. And this past month, we read a very interesting book. I don't know if it would appeal to you or maybe to Susan, but it's called Women Who Risk. And it's about, it was a lot of short stories about um, Muslim women coming to know Jesus through missionaries and just through personal encounters. And I found that really very interesting as well. It was very much in the vein of what you're talking about in that, um, just that how they had no, very few resources there. And, um, just that, just how unreached they were. Um, yeah, I found that very, very interesting. And it's interesting that you brought it up too. Um, I guess it's been on my heart more too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's very interesting to see how um, different um, countries have uh, people uh, sharing the gospel. So for instance, in the Arab world, in the, mm-hmm. Mus- in the Muslim world, uh, there are a lot of ladies mm-hmm. um, that are brought into the country uh, as uh, maids, so uh, domestic workers or however you'd call that. And um, that is that is one way how a lot of Christians coming from the, those global South countries are brought in as maids and they're sharing the gospel oh. with their uh, their hope the people hosting them or yeah. having them in their homes as cleaners or mm-hmm. babysitters um, and often it's the woman relating into the woman because men mm-hmm. are not allowed to relate to to women there um, so that is one one way of how we've seen um, people reach through the gospel or women reached particularly in this case so it's yeah it's very very interesting yeah. God uses so many different um, ways mm-hmm. and means and tools like I said, uh, yesterday, social media is one one big tool, mm-hmm. um, as well as then sports and arts and uh, yeah, there's there are many ways uh, how God brings His love um, and shares it with with the people across the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's voluntary and sometimes it's involuntary <laughs> too. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, if you look at mission biographies, th- these are these are books that have really challenged my life to mm-hmm. read missionaries that have um, gone like in the past two centuries even um, and gone to places uh, just to read how they've um, yeah how they had to relate or how they how they had to uh, go through risks as mm-hmm. well take risks um, yeah how they had to adapt or the lessons they've learned um, I think I, that that is one of the best resources that I would say mm-hmm. people should read if they feel that, that God is ca- calling them to to missions or full-time missions. Um, yeah, because we can learn so much before we go and, and have to learn the hard lessons <laughs> <laughs> the hard way. Um, yes. Yeah, it's, it's easier to read them or hear from them uh, before and say, oh yeah, okay, now, now I, I'm experiencing this uh, in a cross-cultural setup, um, mm-hmm. but it's this is normal or yeah, it's been done before, or this guy had faced much worse than this. So, right. yeah. Oh, good. Very inspiring. Um, and how can we pray for you um, in your role or personally? Yeah, thanks. We appreciate all the, the support and the prayers that we can mm-hmm. get as a family. I think one thing um, has been difficult as a family, it's been to be apart from or away from family. So mm-hmm. uh, Susan's family is back in Scotland. Uh, my parents and my sister are in Germany. Um, so just being distant at times can be 
challenging uh, when it comes to families. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, for my work and my role, I think it's it's. Uh, I'm trying to set up a team across Canada. Canada's big, yes. And I'm the <laughs> only full-time person in my department. Um, I've got a few other volunteers and part-time people, but I would like to build up a team. So I'd appreciate prayer and identifying. Uh, the people that can help with that mm-hmm. um, in fundraising and connecting uh, with partners across Canada. Sounds good. We will be praying for you, Andrew. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. And um, yes, we enjoyed your message and we'll um, continue praying for you. Thanks, Julie. Julie, it was really, really great to be here today. Yes. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And we just wish you a great week and we'll connect with you later. Bye.